Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. This is not in my message. I had not planned to say this at all, but guess what? Pastor Gary and I have this thing, and you, the first couple of times I ever preached, I never used any notes, and he was like, man, how do you do that? And today, I got notes. <laughs> The reason I have notes is because my heart is full this morning, Harvest Church. I have a lot that I want to say, and I want to make sure that I'm organized in my thinking this morning. Now, usually when I preach, I do something called expository preaching, meaning I just take a passage out of the Bible, and I just kind of break down what's in that passage, just verse by verse, and you just kind of pull what's there out of the passage. And quite frankly, if you've got the training, it's really, really easy to do. It's kind of just like laid out for it. You don't have to like come up with anything. It's just like, here's what it says. And I think that that's the way that God designed it. He's not trying to make this thing more complex than it has to be, but this time I'm going to be doing a topic. People usually like topical preaching, right? They're like, preach to me about Halloween. Preach to me about alcohol. Preach about going to the movies or, or maybe spiritual things. Preach about prayer or preach about fasting. What I want to do is do what the Bible says. In 2 Timothy 4, 2, it tells us to preach the word. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not, in season and out of season. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. All right? Now, the problem with the topical preaching is that what you kind of can do if you're not careful is you can just kind of start pulling scriptures out of, out of all, you know, just pulling scriptures. And the, the, the trouble with that is that you end up taking things way out of context. And that's really dangerous. You understand that the verses and the chapters weren't added in the original text, right? It wasn't that way when it was written. Those were added later. But now we're like, oh, Habakkuk 1a. And then we just make a whole theology off of that one little thing. And that's not the way that it's supposed to be. One thing you can also do is kind of argue backwards from your point. So I could easily come up here and be like, good morning, church. Here's what I think, and here's how the Bible backs me up. Anybody know people like that? Anybody hear sermons like that sometimes? And this is really tricky. If you know me, you know that my mind, like, connects everything. It can be really, really easy for me to take unrelated things and tie them together. But I want you to know, Harvest Church, this morning that I am completely uninterested in telling you what I think. Maybe if we were sitting down in a conversation, having something we were talking about one-on-one, we could get into the nuances of my personal opinion about how I see things. But when I'm preaching, when I'm standing before you like this, what I think doesn't matter at all. The messenger is nothing. The message, the word of God is everything. So with that being said, would you please pray for me? Can I, can I confess that I'm nervous today about, about how this is going to go? Because I really want these words to be God's words and not my words this morning. So pray with me, if you will. Pray this with me. You can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, help him today. Let his words be your words. And help me this morning. Let my heart be good ground to receive what you have in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pray with me this morning. Pray for me this morning. Amen. 
All right. My topic changed. At first, I was going to preach on the subject that was called, it is time to get active. That's what I was going to preach. It's time to get active. You're like, oh, wow, yeah, active. But then I changed. I, I was praying and thinking and working, and then I changed my sermon title. My sermon title is now, Slow Down and Get Active. What? Slow down and get active? Slow down. Slow down and get active. So, topical preaching, a lot of scriptures, but here's my anchor verse. My anchor verse is found at the end of the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 24. You can turn there if you like, or you can read it on the screen. It says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You guys know how that goes. The winds come and everything falls down. It says, everyone who hears these words and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Other translations of this verse say, and acts on them. In other words, action is what is called for. In verse 26 here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he contrasts this by saying that the outcome of the person who does not do these things is foolishness. The difference between these two types of people, the people who hear the word and do them, and the people who hear the word and don't do them, is the one person takes action. They got active. Now, the difference between activity and non-activity in the Bible is always spoken of as foolishness or wisdom. As a matter of fact, the book of James, he doubles down on this. James, James, the brother of Jesus. Now, you know, if your brother was God or your sibling was God, you know how hard it must be to grow up in that environment? Like, why can't you be more like Jesus? (laughs) Jesus never did that. But something happened in James's life where he was the leader of the church, and he said these words in his book, chapter 1, in verses 19 through 25. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In other words, you're being mad at people, and why don't you, you ought to, ah, that gets nobody to change. That gets nobody to act right at all. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God planted in you, which can save you. Then he says this in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. Iris had a mirror when she was dancing. And after looking at himself, they go away and immediately forget what they look like. Now, that's ridiculous, right? Any of y'all forgot what y'all look like this morning after you got done putting on your makeup and put on it? You're just like, man, I don't, I don't know. You look good, really? Oh. To not take action... To not get active is foolishness. If you live this way, you're acting like a fool. But you guys are not fools, right? I mean, after all, many of you in here have accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, right? You made the best decision for your life that you could possibly make, correct? So you're not foolish. So stop acting like one. 
I tell my kids um, sometimes, you know, they, they'll be playing and they'll, you know, jump off the couch or they'll run into something. It's like, Jackson, what are you doing? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. And I say, well, you know, you, you didn't mean to, but you didn't mean not to. <laughs> you didn't take the time to make sure that you didn't do the thing that you claim you didn't want to do. You're acting like you don't know what the rule is. You're, you're, you're smarter than that. You are, you're my kid. You're McGee. Act like it. You are sons and daughters of the king. You're not fools. So stop acting like one. It's time to get active, church. So it's been my experience in my small corner of the universe that people oftentimes want to see things happen in their lives but don't do anything about it. As a matter of fact, we can spiritualize our lack of activity and call it waiting on the Lord. We want the Lord to move, but oftentimes he's waiting for us to move. He's already moving. He's always moving. He never sleeps or slumbers. He's never late. He's always on time. We think that he's late because we don't see it in the time that we want it to happen. As a matter of fact, 2 Peter reminds us that God is not slow concerning his promise, as some of you count slowness. From your perspective, it seems slow, but God's not slow. He's patiently waiting The scripture actually says that all will come to repentance, but he's waiting on us to get moving. He's waiting for us to get active. Now, let me be very careful here and be very clear. Doesn't the Bible actually say to wait on the Lord? Isn't that what he says? They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, right? I'm supposed to wait sometimes, right? I'm supposed to like chill out and stop waiting and start waiting. Yes, it does. Absolutely it does. As a matter of fact, let's take a look at that passage, shall we? Where we find that this morning. It's found in Isaiah chapter 40 is where we get that and it's actually at the end of the chapter now so that I'm not just pulling that out of nowhere let me tell you the context of Isaiah chapter 40 this morning it begins with an instruction to the prophet to comfort the people Pastor Gary prayed for comfort this morning as we were thinking about 9-11 But let's think through that word comfort for a moment. The way that we think of that word comfort, we think about ease, relaxation, peace, painlessness. When we want to make somebody comfortable, we want them to be at ease. So sometimes we'll be sitting, now y'all got nice chairs in here, but how many girls grew up in the wood pews? They grew up in the wood pews. Sometimes when you can sit down on a chair and it's hard, what do you say? Now this is uncomfortable. I don't like it, it's uncomfortable. But that's not the way that this word is always used in the Bible. The Holy Spirit was promised to us in the New Testament, and that Holy Spirit was sometimes referred to as the Comforter. There's an old song, the Comforter has come, the Comforter has come, and I'm not going to sing it. But the Holy Spirit that was promised is the Comforter. Now that word comfort is made up of two words, the prefix come, which literally means with. Come means with, and the word fort, comfort, forte, is the word that we get our word fort or fortress. In other words, it implies strength. This instrument that I play every week is called what? Keyboard, yes, but if it, if it was the one that's in the corner that used to be on stage, is a piano. The full name of that instrument is actually called the pianoforte. Wow, really? Yes, it's called the pianoforte. 
In music, when you're looking at notes and you're looking at it written, you might see notation where it says P or F, and we think about P and piano being soft and forte being loud, but literally what it means is for you to play with strength. Is this thing on? I don't know, it may or may not be. So if I'm playing without strength, I might be playing like this, right? But if I'm gonna play with strength, it's louder, but I'm playing it. You can see, you can see me dig into playing it. So forte, with strength. So come means with, and fort means strength. The comforter, he comes with strength. The comforter, the Holy Spirit that's supposed to come and comfort you, is coming to give you strength. Not to make everything easy and nice and a, and a panacea. He's coming to give you strength. So that's what he's coming to do. That's what chapter 40 starts out. Comfort my people. In other words, give them strength. He's giving us believers strength. He's giving us strength to endure, strength to stand, strength to carry on. That's how, the, that's how it begins. Now with that in mind, let's keep reading in chapter 40, but starting at verse 28, it says this. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Listen, young people, even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. Verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We see from this passage that God is the one who doesn't faint or get weary or sleep or slumber, and he is giving you some of that power from him. You guys remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Jesus said, I felt power go out of me. God is giving you, when he comforts you, he's giving you his own strength. He doesn't sleep, he gives you the power and the strength to not falter. Those who wait on him, he renews their strength so that they don't falter or faint. But what are we supposed to do with this power, with this strength that we get? We are to get active. It says that we will run and not be weary, that we will walk and not faint. We get the strength to get active. The human body is designed to move. Now, yes, there are times, definitely, every day, where we need to rest and sleep, but more often than not, we're, we're designed to actually be moving. To be still for too long is detrimental to your health. If you're laying in the bed too long, you can't move, people come and move you and turn you over. Physical therapists go and they, they, they move your legs and they do all this stuff to make sure your body's moving. Astronauts in the International Space Station are constantly doing things to keep their muscles from atrophying. They could just kind of float up there, right? But no, they got to stay active. They have to stay active lest they come back to Earth and are incredibly unhealthy. We Americans, you know, we, we tend to not walk a lot. Compared to the rest of the world, we walk hardly anywhere ever, right? It's said by health experts, we, we tend to walk like less than a mile a day on average. But health experts say that if a person can't walk nonstop at a reasonable pace, not, not this kind of thing, <laughs> but it also doesn't have to be this, right? Just a regular pace, if you can't just kind of walk for a regular pace for an hour a day nonstop without waking up the next day sore, you're in pretty bad shape. <laughs> when we're not active spiritually or emotionally, physically, 
relationally, financially, we're incredibly unhealthy in all these areas. In fact, let me submit to you that those things that were alive, once they're not moving, once there's no activity, they are now dead. Life begins to movement. Rocks aren't alive and they just sit there. Plants are and they move. Maybe not on their own all the time. So this passage in Isaiah, in verse 31, reads differently in different translations. The King James says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The English Standard Version says, they that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. The NIV says, they who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, all of these translations do communicate some kind of reliance on God, a kind of quiet, patient trust in waiting for the power and strength that God is going to give you, the comfort that God wants to give you, the strength that God wants to give you. But consider this for a moment. When you go to a restaurant, you go to Ruth Chris's, or you go to Applebee's, or you go to wherever, and you sit down, and the host takes you to the table, the person who comes up and asks you if you want anything to drink, and if you want your, how do you want your food, what are those people called? Servers or? Waiters. They're the ones who are serving you. They're the waiters. They're literally the ones waiting on you. And they're, when, they're, when they're waiting on you, are they sitting around or just kind of sitting there, standing over there, watching? Maybe if it's the end of the night, they are, because they're ready for you to go. <laughs> but usually, they're pretty active. They're coming around, they're, everything okay? You need some more water? You take one sip and then they fill up again? <laughs> Have you ever been to a restaurant where, like, you just kind of sit down and they just, just take stuff? Like, I want to finish, man! <laughs> I had that happen to me one time, man. I was in a restaurant called Copeland's in Minneapolis. And I was saving my last bite. I, you know, I, eat, I eat with a plan to have the last bite be just slightly bigger than you could take in. And so you can just kind of like enjoy that last bite. And I said it and I went, went to the bathroom and came back and my plate was gone and the restaurant closed. The restaurant closed down. I'd never been back to that restaurant. I never got to finish that food. <sighs> the waiters, the people who wait on you are actively serving. They're actively doing something. So perhaps our waiting on the Lord should be active service to the Lord. Again, what are we getting the strength to run and not be weary and walk and not faint for? Why are we going to get that strength and not use it? Furthermore, this way, the way that it's written seems to imply to me that we are to continue, again, to soar, run, walk, or serve. Elsewhere in the Bible, we're told in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. And we're told in Matthew 24, 12, that he who endures to the end will be saved. So it's about active activity. It's about endurance. That's the key. You can't endure nothing. There's nothing to endure for sitting there. You can only endure in the midst of activity. You've got to get active, church. You've got to be active. There are two parts in our relationship to God, okay? There's God's part and there's your part. Now, you cannot do God's part. You cannot do the saving. You cannot do the miracles. But God will not do your part. We say that again. Two parts in your relationship with God. Your part and God's part. You cannot do God's part. And God will not do your part. Here's the most non-pastor thing you're ever going to hear me say. Especially in the pulpit of this church. Some of y'all sit around praying too much. 
Y'all cry out to God and sit back and wait for him to show up like a magician or genie when really you have things that you can do. However, God sometimes is giving you exactly what you need in your situation. He's given it to you. Now, when Moses was talking to God, he was on the backside of the mountain, took off his shoes, holy ground. He's like, God's like, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And God's, he's like, well, why are they going to believe me? What do you have in your hand? A staff. Throw it to the ground. It turns into a servant. Put your hand in your thing. And when I stutter, he did all this stuff. He had all these excuses about why he couldn't do what God wanted him to do. And finally, God got a little irritated. He was like, no, that's enough. That's enough, Moses. Go. I, I told you. I'm equipping you. I will be with you. God, why are they going to listen to me? I will be with you, God said. Notice he didn't say, Moses, because you're great, man. You got it, Moses. Don't worry. I, no, he said, I will be with you. And I've equipped you with everything that you need. So you know what happens. He goes, let my people go. And all the plagues and everything, the frogs and the, and the blood and the firstborn dead and the darkness and the hail and the locusts and the frogs. And then they get out, they're gone, and now they're trapped at the Red Sea in Exodus 14. So they're trapped at the Red Sea. The people of Israel have seen all of these miracles that God has done. And they're sitting there and they're stuck. And here's what Moses says to the people. Check this out. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm. Stand still and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. These Egyptians that you see, you will never see again. Just stand still. Just watch God. That's pretty good, right? You ready for this? Guess what God said in verse 14? No, that's not true. Not in verse 14. In verse 15, guess what he said? Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Really? That's what God said to the people? Why are you crying out to me? Moses, stand still and see God. God's like, uh, get moving. <laughs> Why are you crying out to me? He says, Moses, raise your staff. Remember that staff? The staff you threw down to the ground and it turned into a serpent and ate Pharaoh's servants. The staff where you dipped it in the Nile River and it turned to blood. That staff, the staff I already gave you. I already gave it to you. You've used it before. You sit here crying out to me. Move on. Get active. Stretch out this staff and the Red Sea will part. Okay? I've given you what you need. Now, now hear me. I'm not saying don't pray. Please don't ever think that I'm telling you not to pray. But again, we can spiritually, oh, I'm just, I'm just praying. I'm just praying. You need to pray and get active. You got to do stuff on, you have to do stuff for yourself. Me and Pastor Gary uh, kind of hobnob back and forth and without getting super, super deep into this, there's a school of thought about the nature of salvation in the church and one side is called Arminianism, one side is called Calvinism. And a broad, gross misgeneralization, Calvinists are not free will and Arminians are free will. The Assemblies of God is an Arminian denomination. Y'all are part of the Assemblies of God. Y'all believe in free will, right? You have the ability to make decisions, to make actions, to make choices, right? Yes. Right? <laughs> Act like it. Act like you have the ability to make decisions and make actions and make choices in your life. Y'all Arminians act like it, okay? <laughs> the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 is known as like the faith hall of fame. There the author takes time to talk about many of the fathers of the faith. 
and how their faith, by, by their faith, they accomplish this or that. However, before you get into chapter 11, at the end of chapter 10, the writer of, of Hebrews is encouraging the readers to continue on in your endurance. See, it's your faith that helps you to take action. It's your faith that helps you to endure. You've got to know that you know that you know that you know that the promises of God are sure and true. That way, when your path gets hard and uncertain, you have to know that you'll reap the benefits of your active endurance. The writer says this in chapter 10, in verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive that which is promised. 37, for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I have no pleasure in him. But we ain't the ones who shrink back and are destroyed. But those of us who have faith and persevere in their souls church it's time to get active you have a record you have a track record of God's faithfulness in your life and you have your God-given abilities there's no reason to shrink back and be destroyed some people fight some people flight and some people freeze we don't want to freeze we don't even really want to flee all the time. The Bible does say to flee some things, and that in and of itself is a type of action. For instance, flee fornication, right? So there is sometimes when we do have to kind of take a step back, but all that is a type of action. It's not just a planted sitting still. We have this confidence that God's promises will come true and come through for us. Now, how do I get this confidence, Pastor Markell? I don't feel always very confident, ready to move forward and go and act, be active. I don't know what to do all the time. You look back. That's how you get this confidence. You have what Pastor Nelson calls rear view faith. Rear view faith. Your faith is always going to be a reminder of what God helped you with in the past. This whole passage in, Isaiah, in, in Hebrews 11 is saying that here's what happened to Moses and here's what happened to Cain. Here's what happened to Noah. Here's what happened to David. This is the evidence that you have to believe on the word of God and thus move forward. A lot of people accuse Christians of like, oh, you just, what does faith mean to you? It's just you just believe something for no reason. But that's not actually what faith is. Faith is trust in evidence. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus because of evidence. We believe that God is real because of evidence. We believe that God will be faithful and that he has the power to do what we need him to do because we have evidence. We have evidence in the word and we have evidence in our own lives. Look back on your own life. Your faith should call to remembrance the times that God brought you out. The times when you thought that it was over, when you thought you weren't going to make it, but you see where God has saved you. You see where God delivered you. You see where God made a way for you. And because of that, because of your own evidence, you can rest assured that if God did it before, he will do it again. The scriptures say that we overcome by the blood of the lamb. (sighs) Right? Is that it? No. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. It's and, it's both. We are encouraged by the testimony of other people. 
Something that's happened recently in our staff meeting is, is we've added a section to the end of our staffing. We pray, we do devotions, we do all the business, and then Pastor Gary asks for something called signs of life. In other words, testimonies of what's happening here at Harvest Church. You understand that sometimes ministers can get discouraged too? And we have to kind of look at what's going, what is going on. Harvest Church is a big church. There's a lot of people, and we know about these things. I was pocket. I got this call with this thing going wrong, and I have to go handle this, and I got to meet these people. But what's going good? What's going right? What are the signs of life? That testimony encourages us to keep going on. It keeps encouraging us to minister to you. It's encouraging to see what God is doing at Harvest Church. Amen. Maybe we should figure out a way to bring testimony service back. Your faith also propels you into doing works. As a matter of fact, your faith is proved by the works that you do. I preached about this last time in my righteousness message. We were created for good works to walk in them. Our faith should propel us to get active. It's time to get active, church. So, what am I supposed to do then? What am I actually supposed to do? Well, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. But am I supposed to go to this school? Am I supposed to work here? Whatever you find to do, whatever you find to do, do with all your might. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do it. If you look at the parable of the talents, you'll see that the owner gave one person 10, one person 5, and one person 1. And the 10 made his grow to 20, and the 5 made his grow to 10. And what did the person with the 1 do? They buried it in the ground and didn't do anything. And the two who were commended were the two who took action. They did something. It was the one who shrunk back. That's what he said. I was fearful of you because you're a man who doesn't, who reads where he doesn't gather and I was, I was scared of you, so I just buried it. He said, you could have at least put it in the bank to gain some interest. You could have done something. And now because you haven't done anything because you were scared, I will take what you didn't give to the person who has 10. The person who was punished was the person who didn't do anything. And you notice that the results were different. Right? The results were different. So it's not about reaching some kind of goal or line. It's about just doing something. It's about getting active. Now, this applies for spiritual things as well as secular things. People think secular and they think satanic. And that's not the truth. The word sacred literally means set apart. So if you imagine the temple in the Old Testament in Jerusalem, you'll see that like the, there was a fork that was supposed to get the meat off of the, the uh, altar so that the priest could eat. That was a sacred fork. Why was it sacred? Because it was like imbued with power or something and it glowed? Or, no, it was sacred because it was set apart for service in the temple. Now the fork that was outside in the house is a secular fork. But it's not a satanic or demonic fork. It's not a pagan fork or a heathen fork. It's just a fork that's not set apart for ministry in the church. So secular, we always want to not be secular. But secularism, secular things are just things that are not set apart for ministry in the church or for service or for use in the church. Therefore, it's okay to have secular desires. It's okay to have secular passions. Going to the gym is not sacred, but it's not satanic. Am I making sense here? Understand the difference between sacred and secular? God has come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So whatever you want to do, 
whatever is in your heart. A lot of you, let me say this, a lot of you guys are very active in what you're doing. You guys have goals and you're setting those goals in motions. But a lot of you have things that you're not really active in, but you want to see change in. Whether that's increasing your prayer life or learning how to be more generous in giving or trusting God for this or that. Or maybe you want to advance in your career. Maybe you want to reconcile in relationships. Maybe you want to get your finances together. Those sacred and secular endeavors, God has come that you might have all of that abundantly to the full. He's given us everything to enjoy. Now, I've spent a lot of time talking about get active, but Mark, didn't you say your message was slow down and get active? Yes, it is. So, we have things to do. We have actions that we need to take. But I want to encourage you this morning to slow down in them. What do I mean by that? If you know me and we can, we're sitting around kind of like hobnobbing and somebody will be like, well, Mark, how'd you do that? I might joke and I might say, carefully. How'd you end up, how did you learn how to, carefully. I took my time. I was slow. I was diligent. In leadership and in organizational structure, the companies that focus on one thing, almost to the detriment of everything else, find that they not only get good at that one thing, but everything else kind of falls into place. Part of our problem is, is that we're too busy, we're trying to do everything. Technology has done nothing but make us more busy. You don't have to be as busy as you are. I preached a sermon a while ago called Pay What You Owe, and I talked about how your schedule is on you. The things that you fill your day with are on you. You might feel pressure from all these things, but it's really still up to you how you organize your life. And I would encourage you to take stock of your life and look and slow down. So, if you want to advance in your life, the best way to go fast is to go slow. Okay? God's mercies are new every morning. So we don't take old mercies. We don't get the mercies that we're going to get tomorrow. Jesus said, focus on today because today has enough trouble of its own. All right? So rather than being so frantic about all the things that we have to do, we should slow down and focus on the task at hand. Be kind of present where we are. See, because it's not God's desire for you to be stressed out. It's not God's desire for you to be overwhelmed. It's not God's desire for you to be on the verge of a nervous breakdown all the time. A lot of people struggle with a lot of mental health issues, and that's, there are lots of reasons for that, but that's not God's desire for you. We stress ourselves out so much. We're trying to handle everything and do everything and be everything for everybody. But that's not God's desire. I'm just going to, for the next few minutes here, just touch on some things that I think would be helpful for you. I just mentioned mental health. People struggle with anxiety and depression and tiredness. What does the Bible say about that? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling I don't know what's going on. Slow down. But get active. Make your supplications and prayer requests known to God. There's something for you to do there. 
There's something that the Bible tells you to do. When Jesus was praying with his disciples and they were overcome with sorrow and fell asleep, Jesus was like, will you pray with me? I'm just, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm so overcome with sorrow that I can't. Yes, you can. Pray. Do something. Get active. Here's what else the Bible has to say about our mental health. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of, of power and of love and of a sound mind or some other translations say self-control. You can control yourself. The phrase fear not in the Bible is written 365 times. That's about once for every single day of the the year, right? Don't be afraid. Now, God is so understanding about us as humans. He understands that like we're frail and we get get fearful, but he tells us all the time, don't be afraid. Dr. John Deloney, a, a personality of, um, on a talk show, says, mental health is a context and not an excuse. So there's grace and mercy if you're struggling with that this morning, but you can get active. The Bible gives you things to do. Notice it doesn't say work on your anxiety. Try not to be anxious so much. It just says don't be. And if we believe the Bible and we believe that God has our best interest at heart and when he just flat out says don't it must be possible how we work that out is a different thing that's a that's a sermon for a whole another day but be encouraged that it's possible but you have to get active physical health maybe you want to lose weight maybe you want to eat healthier and so slow down don't join the gym membership and start five different workout programs and six different diets but get active right Literally, get active. I just said, if you can't walk, just start by walking. You may or may not have known that I used to be a lot bigger than this. I don't know if people, people tell me like, man, I looked at a picture of you, Mark Kelly. You were that size. Yes, I was. But what did me and my wife decide to do? I took, an, I took a journey using a specific diet that I'm not here to promote. So I'm not even going to say what it is. If you know what it is, you do. But I just stuck with it every single day. See, because it's unhealthy to lose 10 pounds in a week. That's too much. Slow down. But a pound a week, that's pretty good. Get active. But there are things you have to do. I track my eating. I take out my phone every single day and put it into this app that I have. Every single thing that I eat. This tea I got, put tea. And two pumps of my sugar-free sweetener. It's in here. I track it. I got my little food thing, and I weigh it, and it's just 300 grams. Okay, 300 grams of chicken. That's what I do. I'm active. I'm I'm on it. I'm I'm keeping track. You have to do something, if that's what you really want to do. Kendrick, um, Kendrick Daniels, you know, we were uh, talking to some people, and, and somebody was talking about how they wanted to get healthy, and they wanted to change their diet, and they wanted to do stuff, and, okay, let's do it. Okay, I'll, I'll start on Monday. And Kendrick goes, it's always Monday. <laughs> always Monday. Relationships. Here's what the Bible says about relationships, those of you who have relational troubles. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, Ephesians 4, 26. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you are at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, oh, man, I think they were upset with me for that. Well, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled. I expect to see 
all you hear next week, I don't want to be, well, Pastor Mark Hilson not to come, and I'm, my brother mad at me, so I ain't coming, I can't come. No, that's not what I mean. I expect to see you all here because you've reconciled if you need to reconcile with somebody in your life. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Man, I just wish all my relationships were better. Well, you need to get active. Now, that might take some time, right? You, you need to start the conversation. You need to be, I know a lot of people who are sitting back going, well, if I'm ready when they are. <laughs> Whenever they're ready, I'm here. No, 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 go, you go. If you remember they have something against you, you go. And you be reconciled to your brother. So don't show up next week. I'm kidding, show up next week, please. <laughs> Pastor Gary's preaching, show up next week. Whenever you pray, Mark eleven twenty five, if you have anything against anyone. How clear is that? Anything against anyone. They looked at me funny. Okay, go talk about it. What's that look about, man? Hey, you know. Anything. Well, you know what? I mean, I don't really interact with them. I ain't trying to start nothing. It's going to be too much of a hassle to go talk to them because they might have. Anything against anyone. All right. Maybe you have a hard time trusting people. Dr. Jordan Peterson says that the way that you get over, like he was talking about anxiety, is that with their consent, you slowly begin to expose them to more and more situations that make them anxious. You actually have to like go into situations that make you anxious. And that way your body gets used to being in those situations and over time you can slowly work up that resistance. But if you have trouble relating to people, you shouldn't be fleeing from people, putting up walls against people. You need to go to people. You need to talk to people. You need to reach out to people. Cutting yourself off is the wrong thing to do. Talking about, well, I'm just... Get active. Finances. I paid off my debt a couple, you know, during, during the same time as I was losing weight. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gained from haste will dwindle, but he who gathers little by little will increase it. The best way to get rich fast is to get rich slow. Lottery winners, three to five years, all of them broke. All of them, because they don't have the skills and the discipline to manage their money well. So just putting a little bit away, living on less than you make. Career advancement. You want to get, you want to advance in your career? Get qualified for the career that you want. Look up and see what it takes to be in that position. Go to your boss and ask for advancement. What is it going to take for me to move up in this company? If you want to uh, increase in your spiritual life, you want to pray more, pray. There's no secret to this. There's no magic bullet. How do you do something? You have to do it. Now, here's the thing. We don't always want to do these things, right? Nobody wants to get up at 4 a.m. to run. Nobody wants to, you know, rise early like Jesus all the time and, and pray. Nobody wants to go through the things that they, they have to go through in order to get to what they want to get. But... Jesus, for the glory set before him, endured the cross. He had to look past the beatings. He had to look past the nailing of the hands and the feet. And that is what propelled him on to do the work that he wanted to do for us. He asked twice, God, if there's any other way, please take this cup from me. But he still went through it. People act like, if I don't like it, especially young people, younger people today in that generation, it's like, well, I shouldn't have to do anything I don't want to do. Okay, I guess you don't, but like, 
Don't be surprised we don't get the results that you want to get. You have to be willing to go through the things in order to get to the goals that you have. You ever notice how unbelievers always seem to be prospering all the time? Right? They just, people just, and they don't, they have no consideration for the Lord, but God seems to be blessing them. That's because they are operating in the way that God designed the universe to work. There's a way that God designed the universe to work for humans, where if you live on less than you make and you save, then you can be wealthy. Believe it or not, if you eat less than your calories than you burn and you exercise, you'll be in shape. Believe it or not. So they're doing, without understanding that it's all about God, the things that God, the way that God has designed, those people are active people. Those people are active people. When should I do this? My final point. When should I start this, Markel? Now. Do it now. Do it now. (laughs) Do it. Grab my hand. Trust me. Do it now. Last week, Pastor Gary said, I'm I'm preaching to your Mondays. I'm preaching to your 10 minutes from now. Do it now, right now. The Bible says in uh, Hebrews 3.15, but he pulled that out of Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like they did in the rebellion. That hardening of hearts is rebellious. If you're sitting here thinking about your sacred and your secular endeavors, and you want to do them, you want to start better finances, you want to increase your relationships, you want your spiritual life to grow, get active. When? Now. Get active right now. It takes action. It takes discipline. But with the comfort, the strength of God, and the rear view evidence that your faith gives you, you can succeed. Keep things in their proper perspective. If it's the Lord's will, it will, keep, it will come to pass. So seek God's will, pray, but move forward. Church, it's time to get active. I'm done. Thank you. I'm going to close this morning by um, making an offer. If you're here today and you don't happen to be a believer, and you're like, man, the, the strength of God, the comfort of God, the thing that gives me strength is something that I want. You can have it today. There is so much help for us believers and non-believers. There's so much help for us if we actually want it. If you want it, you can have it. But you need to get active. Invite the Lord in if you're an unbeliever this morning and receive the gift. If you're a believer, he said in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you might find. No, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be... Again, what are those action steps? When you're reading your Bible and your devotions, notice how much action the people are taking. Be encouraged in that. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Get active. Make the steps that you need to make. Be wise like the man who built his house on the rock. Hearers of the word and 
doers of the word. If you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord, I invite you to get active and take a step of faith and receive him into your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation this morning and I invite you to pray that with me and actively put your trust in the Lord this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray this morning. Church, you can pray along with me. Dear Jesus, I need you today. I hear the call to action and the action I'm being asked to take now is to trust you, to receive you as my Lord and Savior. So I put that in action. I open my heart to you and I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Help me to remain active with your comfort, your strength, and everything that concerns me. Thank you, God, for your action of dying on the cross for my sins. Come into my life, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just kind of let me know by raising your hand? Just raise your hand. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Heaven erupts in praise when just one person, when just one person receives the Lord. What is the, my mind is blanking right now. Should they email you or something if they've received the Lord or something like that? That's, hey, look at that. Look at that. That's called lower thirds. Go ahead. If you receive the Lord, go ahead and send an email to that. We would love to connect with you and to help you remain active so that you can run and not be weary. You can walk and not faint in your journey with the Lord. Church, I pray that you were blessed by the word today. I pray that it sinks deep into your hearts and that you're encouraged to get active in whatever it is, sacred, sacred or secular. Stand to your feet this morning. We're going to pray a prayer of blessing and you'll be free to go today. Today, right, church? Today. Today. Dear Heavenly Father, I bless your people right now in Jesus' name. I bless the coming in and they're going out. They're laying down and they're raising up. God, I bless the, the creativity of their minds, the labor of their hands, and the fruit of that labor. I pray, God, that you would seal this word in their hearts, helping them to get active, helping them to receive the comfort, the strength that you have for them. I pray, Lord, that you richly bless them according to your riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus. Be with them now as they leave this place. Be with them as they seek to put all this into action and keep them safe until they come together again at the appointed time. I ask this in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Make sure you come back next week. Pastor Gary will have a great message for you guys next week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Mm-hmm.